Welcome to Wisco Dice! Hey yo folks, I'm your host, the Conzie with the most, and I am joined by the one, the only, the Stark, the raving, the mad one himself. Hey Brian, what is going on? Hey, hey, got the old intro today going. It's awesome. Yeah! <laughs> I feel like I bring that right back out, it felt good. It's been a long time <laughs> since it's just been the two of us on the show, so this is... Our Adepticon 2022 recap show. Uh, today is April 7th, 2022, and this is episode 91.5, the .5 cast. Like I mentioned, we're going to just dive right into talking about all things Brian and I did at Adepticon, and pretty much we lived on the same Adepticon track. I will note that uh, I was there Thursday. I uh, picked up my badge, and I was supposed to play in a Warhammer Fantasy Battles event, 8th edition, on on that Thursday. But due to the move and just all the insanity of moving and trying to get settled into a new house, I just I was not in mental headspace, let alone being able to find my, my army or get an army list put together or anything for that event. So I dropped at the last minute for that one. So apologize i wish i had some warhammer fantasy coverage but maybe sometime soonish brian and i can actually play a game of that yeah for sure i'm sure that'll happen with any luck there'll be more eights at adepticon next year yeah yeah or some kind of warhammer for that matter (laughs) yeah something with square bases anyways that's uh, that would be cool. So, Brian, why don't you dive into, take us into Friday? What 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 were we doing Friday? Yeah, Friday started off for actual gaming. I guess that was the first day I actually arrived there myself. Was on right away on Friday, and we picked up in the bolt action event. They had a doubles tournament on Friday that was run by the Chicago Dice Crew. Kind of their usual events. This one didn't really have a theme this year, probably just to kind of get back into it after the Adepticon hiatus. It's kind of the usual single-day, three-round uh, bolt-action tournament. Of course, being doubles, um, there's two people per team. It was a little looser on like the army construction rules this year a little bit. Um, there was 1,400 points total, uh, but you didn't have to like split your lists exactly or anything like that. You could like you know, one person could have more points than the other. I think there's still a order dice cap. But yeah, there was no nothing in the rules pack that prevented you from like one person having a hundred points in a list and the other person bringing the whole the rest of the thirteen hundred points. Yeah, that'd be pretty crazy because you still did have to have like your own order dice in the bag for each respective player. So that's a really cool uh, ability you can do with bolt action that you're really kind of controlling your separate units, even though you're on the same team, which always works out pretty well when you have every each player has their own dice. It's pretty good for a team game like that. Yeah, I guess it was 18 order dice max for all players. So at 1400 points, I feel like you have to, you know, that's pretty reasonable amount. And that usually Chicago dice events, I feel like they're pretty open with their selectors and stuff like that. So pretty much any selector was available and. That kind of allows some crazy stuff. Like, I don't think I saw anything too off the wall. Like, although you can get some crazy selectors, like, I feel like a lot of the players usually go more for theme than for craziness, but that's not always the case. And 
I think we generally saw some things that were maybe more competitive than how we built our list after playing all the other opponents and seeing the other armies on the table. So I guess we can get into our list of what we actually brought. Like, I don't think we had really a set way to approach it. We did play Americans. Um, that was kind of a given, I guess. Like, we both have played Americans. It's one of my, you know, it's my first army. The only other option I own is Germans, and Germans seem to have been a bit of a struggle, at least for me, since whatever second edition bolt action. And I think you yeah. kind of agreed on that, so I don't think you even considered playing Germans at all, and I don't think you even own any Germans yourself anymore, right? Or, well, you have some, but not like your built army you used to have. No, I, I sold off my painted Germans, and the, my other army option that I have that's painted and built is uh, Soviets. My Soviets are all winter theme, and wouldn't match up with, I think, you know, thematically or visually with your Americans. So I think it was just natural again to, because this is our second team tournament, to just dive in, go all U.S. and see what we could do. I think we had talked about it in the main show. We've caught one of those recently. We ended up using all of my models since yours were packed up. And then using all of mine, we kind of kept everything a cohesive paint scheme and look to it, which is pretty good. I uh, did a bit of work to finish before the tournament because we had a lot of inf- infantry in our list. So we ended up splitting it like 50-50. We each had 700 points. Like It seemed to work out pretty easy. At least I felt it worked out pretty easy for us to each build to that when we were discussing what to do. So we did end up slapping on, I think it was Operation Cobra selectors. Like It didn't really change what we took at all, I don't think. But just as far as to pick some kind of theme, like it fit pretty good. I think both of us usually play Americans kind of for that, you know, shortly after Normandy entry into the war. So I say my, my Americans are actually my, my U S army that I'm building is actually uh, initial Italy invasion themed. So it's actually a little earlier in the war than this, but it's still almost exactly the kind of stuff that I would take short of the vehicles. Yeah, for sure. Like I think we were talking about it after the fact, like if you go with like us army in general, you don't have a ton of variety when you're looking at selectors, like there's kind of minor differences and usually the biggest being vehicles, but generally it's just, you know, Sherman's or not Sherman's. <laughs> That's kind yep, of how I look at kind it. Of. So yeah, paying the, Regular, you know, compulsory choices for my side of the force. We did go, like, full regular. I've kind of generally built that a lot. I guess I do have one unit of veterans on my side. But I went with a first lieutenant with his buddy and then had a couple 10-man squads on my compulsory choices. Uh, just all rifles besides one bar and then the NCO, I was throwing an SMG on them. And then... We had played one game in recent history, and I think you kind of finally convinced me to start taking some bigger squads. Like you had shown me your side of the list first, and I tr- kind of tried to build build similarly and take some bigger squads. But to get a few more things in, I ended up cutting them down a little bit. Um, so then I had two other only eight man squads, which is kind of what I've typically run. But um, from our experience playing on Friday, I think. A 10-man for regulars is pretty good. 
the eight man squad was built exactly like the 10 and the, was an engineer squad like i had mentioned and they just had an extra smg but i also threw the flamethrower in there but i don't think my flamethrower shot once in our whole nope. in all our games on friday which i think that's kind of the story of a lot of the things in the list, it seemed. Um, some of my support, I filled it out with a bazooka team, mortar team, and a sniper team. I do not remember them doing hardly anything. The bazooka had some good misses. I don't remember if it actually ever killed anything in our games. I don't yeah. think it did. No, I think the bazooka had some opportunities, at least. The sniper had a few yeah, opportunities. Yeah, really good shots. The mortar, no, I don't I think it ever landed. No, unfortunately it didn't. Oh, no, it landed, I think was, landed once. Did it one time? I think um, on an enemy, maybe. like, uh, an enemy artillery piece or something like that, I think you landed it, and then we ran out of time for the next shot. Or yeah, I think that was hard with the, with the mortar. Like, I don't think any of our games went past turn four, so that's not very many shots, especially if you had to, like, move on to the table or something like that. And then, lastly, in my list, I had a, uh, just a Dodge three-quarter ton truck, and that was primarily to haul around the engineers, and occasionally I could have put a bazooka in there or something if I saw fit. But it's kind of, I don't know, a pretty standard loadout for what I pick. I guess a few things in hindsight might not have been necessary, but it was kind of trying to be well-rounded and not min-maxed, and it's definitely not very gamey. That's where my half ended up. What about yours? My bolt-action philosophy has, uh, particularly for second edition, has orientated around playing to a draw and leveraging the rules like down and rally to uh, keep my keep my squads in the game. And so I don't I I try to build my portion of the list around hey I'm not going to make a mistake or let money, let some small squads lose us the game because. Uh, we gave up more order dice because it was easy to pick off those little things. Everything's regular in my list. Uh, I started with a, a second lieutenant uh, with a additional infantry guy to keep it small team. I think they had rifles. I don't know. It didn't really matter. And then two 12, 12 infantry uh, squads, uh, NCO with an SMG and a bar. You know, pretty standard stuff. But the fact that they were full loadout 12-man squads... I'm going to say I never lost an infantry squad. I don't think either of us lost a full infantry squad the entire event, all three rounds. Like we, like these these squads were so large, and I think they caught our opponents off guard too. They're like, "What are we going to do with all those against all those infantry?" And sure, you know we we might have struggled in some points, but those huge infantry squads were money. I thought they were pretty awesome. Uh, my other infantry yeah, I squad think that I, I definitely yeah, heard some comments from our opponents about that and it was kind of the same thing that got me when i played you in our single game the last time was it's just really hard to remove the squads like you put a lot of fire into them and they're still there so it seemed like that was our opponent's reactions for the most part well yeah i mean we we fought some kind of silly and enemy firepower things and it was just like yeah okay squad's still there another 10-man infantry squad with an smg and a bar uh, that's the end of my infantry squads, just the three big squads. I did not have very many order dice. I had like something like six order dice in this list. So not very many yep. order dice. <laughs> Part of the problem with big squads is low activations. 
I also took an MA Greyhound. I was planning on originally using my model, but then we ended up using Brian's model for that. So that was going to be my one contribution was was an <laughs> MA Greyhound. Didn't add any bonus, any extra stuff to it. So no, no upgrades, just boring Greyhound. And then um, we were playing around with the points, trying to see what we could sneak in there for a, a tank and ended up putting a M18 Hellcat in there. There was any one thing between the R2 lists for the day that I felt like was the MVP of consistency. It uh, besides the fact that those infantry squads it just wouldn't, you know, they could take everything and just stay on the board. Was that Hellcat? Yeah, it was definitely the most exciting piece in all of our games. <laughs> you got two vehicles. It was the one piece I think in the entire in both lists that would make make our opponents have to can kind of control the game a little bit, make them have to like second guess where they were doing some moving some things or putting vehicles or whatever, because of the threat of that, of that Hellcat. And even then we would catch them off guard with it. We did upgrade our, our Hellcat with, uh, to Recky so that we had, it had that on it just to give it a little bit of a reaction to enemy fire. If you know, it came under fire, but, uh, I'm not sure. I don't think we use. I, I guess in hindsight, I don't think we wrecked on either the vehicles, the Greyhound nor the Hellcat. Like I don't think nope. that ever came up in all of our games. Nope. You were no, pretty bold the... in some of our games. <laughs> it, it was. I think the Recky came into play on the Hellcat, not to be actually used, but to be a consideration for the for our opponents as we were playing against it. But yeah, it, otherwise, true. yeah, wasn't really a factor on those vehicles. But that's the list. That's that's our two lists, and combined we formed Voltron. No, we were <laughs> just a giant, massive dudes. We had a massive, giant, massive dudes. That was our theme. So hopefully that came out uh, pretty well. But first round we drew what was going to be uh, spoiler here the winners of the team event. A pair of uh, players. Unfortunately, we don't have their names. But they had, I don't even know what force selector they were, but they were Russian armies. Uh, one was a tank platoon, and the other one was a, a standard Russian army off the selector. And there was what a flame vehicle armored car that was like Armor 7, and two stewards that had like 20. <laughs> yeah, two, two stewards that had like two, 20, M, 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 or 20 shots every time they fired. And the Kaitu, uh, what the, the truck with the Kaitusha rockets on it, and uh, wasn't there what the, something else? And then they also the had two, the Quad Maxim. Yep, that one and the Quad Maxim truck. And then they had two of the body armor squads with flamethrowers, which never really came to bear on us. Yeah, game. they were too slow. And then the two ZIS yeah. threes or whatever artillery pieces. Like it was. Yep. It was it was a very well optimized list, and particularly well optimized if you were playing against armies that had you know smaller squads. I think, but as it turns out, they drew us. <laughs> yeah, I think like I assume their their second and third games went a lot better. This first game, the scenario was I can't remember the exact name of it or where it's come from. It was the first time I've played it. But we each had like a diagonal corner zone. Like it might have went 
to the halfway point on you know the short side and the long side and then you have the diagonal between that and the objective was to get your units into your opponent's zone and you would score a point so i have a feeling like in the other later games that for all like you know single objective based kind of thing like their list probably would have been you know even stronger than one where we were moving around and we generally tried to kind of circumvent their forces and moving where we could so I think yeah, in like think... close quarters where you have to get right on the objectives, they probably would have been pretty hard to beat. And like you also couldn't have sat back very easy with all their artillery as well. Yeah. We ended up losing this game. Obviously, they Just went bears. out to win the event. Barely. But in the barely was the fact that the way our the way the table was set up, which all the tables were super heavy on terrain and whatnot, and this table was really hard to move on. But there was this giant like chapel or church that was on our mm-hmm. far left, and there was just enough space on the other side of that church and the board edge to kind of scoot units. And just on the other side of that church, there was our deployment zone. So you could put like a model or two into our deployment zone on the other side of it, where we basically couldn't shoot at them or anything. And that's effectively what they did. They walked up squads up that up that side of the board and were at the last on the last turn within regulation time able to move some units in. Note we didn't finish the game and if it would have went one more round, it would have been re- like they had basically moved about everything that they could into our zones. Maybe they could have got another, another unit. Yeah. Yep, maybe they could have got another unit in. We had an opportunity to get mm-hmm. a couple of our units into their zone. Uh, should should we have been able to play another round? It would have been really interesting to see how that would have played out. Yeah, that scenario was pretty hard with the time limit and everything. And then this one, I think we made four actual game turns, but then the deployment. And this, too, was like the dice bag deployment, too. So I feel like that more or less adds like a whole extra turn to the game. Yep. So. Like, by the time you set up, like, you know, you're pretty far in your time already. So it was kind of hard to get too far to really get the list going. And then, like, we haven't played a ton of bolt action. I feel like we only played one game in, you know, the past year at least or so before this. Two years, probably. I think we were definitely getting our bearings in this first game. Like, in hindsight, I feel like we could have played a lot better. (laughs) Like, I even, like, put the tape measure down on the table later just thinking about how those deployment zones were like when i played the game i kind of had the intention of running some of my units from one zone to the other and then like just measuring it if you went like a straight line you had to like straight up run 12 inches like for four turns just even like touch the zone so that was like horrible idea for the scenario on my part like i think your only hope to get into the zone is to use your reserve forces and then whatever you deployed initially should have just been defending, you know, your zone to keep your opponent from scoring. And in hindsight, you know, I think we could have done it a bit better, maybe like more turns, you know, something else would have happened, but it's what it was. And it was a pretty hard list in the tournament winner we faced. So I chalked that one up to, to game rust. Yeah. And I don't know, as far as like, a tournament scenario, or at least of the ones we played, I think this was definitely my least like favorite of the day. Yeah, definitely. 
least favorite scenario. But that that gets us into the next round, where I think we had our favorite scenario of the day. Uh, and this yeah, round this was up against. Really cool. Yeah, this one was really cool. Uh, and it was up against a, a pair of players who were playing both German uh, armies. So that was cool. Like we actually like first round they they tried to pair Axis versus Allied, but we ended up playing against an Allied or you know Allied on Allied, which we probably were one of the few tables that were playing Allied versus Allied. So this game we actually got to play against Axis, which was cool, and our dreaded nemesis, uh, the Germans. Uh, I don't remember all of what was in their list. I don't remember terribly. Like generally, it was a pretty high veteran. List. Yeah, I know it was veteran yeah. grenadiers and Luftwaffe. I think or Falschmagger rather. Yeah, yeah, Falschmagger. It was like yeah, Falschmagger and veteran grenadiers. So it was kind of smaller squads. I know they had you know MMGs in the grenadiers in the. I think the Luftwaffe or I keep saying Luftwaffe. Falschmagger I think had some assault rifles in their units. They were all pretty small units. I know they had a Werbelwind in the. Whatever they had the two two two, I think car with the uh, whatever auto cannon on it. Yeah. So the Werbel wind was definitely kind of intimidating. I know that was one of the themes of the day. I noticed is that like almost everybody had some kind of anti air vehicle in their list, which uh, game wise, when you're shooting up infantry with whatever twenty dice or whatever, it kind of makes sense. So yeah. luckily, yes. I felt like they were pretty timid with their Werbel wind in our game. I mean, we did have whatever the bazooka and the Greyhound and the Hellcat to all thread it with, so they kind of kept it back pretty good from us. Yeah, yeah, so again, another game that uh, we ran out of time, but I like this game, like I felt very good about the game, like I loved the scenario and the decisions, but you had, what, these six markers on the board that you could control, and when you gained control, then it would get a a number counter on it and you could choose to destroy it was like an ammo supply depot or something like that and you could choose to basically destroy that depot and score the points as equal to whatever the number counter was at the end of the round or you could risk it and leave it in place but if your opponent got was able to contest it that number counter got wiped out back to zero until you t- until somebody took control of it again so that was very interesting yeah. because you were like, oh, are they going to be able to get to this one this next round or not? Uh, if they can, and they're, th- they're still at the end of the round, oh, I'm going to lose all those points. You were like playing this like weird, interesting uh, kind of like, do I risk it? Do I not? And of course, this game again came down. I think we drew this game. This was a draw, right? Sure, yeah. Pretty sure we drew this. Yeah, we we had the exact same score on the basis. Yeah, <laughs> like one more turn, it would have been pretty interesting. We either yeah, got had... or held a draw. Yep, it was really close. We had but two squads that were in like one run move to be able to to threaten their center objective, which was their only objective they hadn't scored yet, and. Uh, I don't think they had a unit that they could get to any of our objectives. I think we blew yep. one, but our other two yep. were yep. still up and and going to score on that final round. But we didn't, of course, we didn't get to play the final round. So who knows 
if we would have been able to get one of those two squads to manage to get to and contest their center objective by the end of the game. But that would have been interesting to see because that would have been another one of those games where I think one of those squads was one of my like huge squads, I think. I mean, it had been whittled mm-hmm. down a little bit, but one of my huge squads. So I've been really interested to see if those big 12-man squads to start the game with could have managed to come out at the end. Yeah, I think we, you know, we're talking to them after the game, and they knew they couldn't like stop us from getting there. They were just hoping they could shoot us off of it. But yeah, with that many dudes, it would have been really hard to kill all those guys off. There it was probably like, you know, almost twenty guys between our two units. Like I don't think yeah. my squad was quite as strong as yours, but that was going to be a lot of guys. To yeah. Get the only, off the only there, thing so. we had to, con- yeah, the only thing we had to contest with is one of those squads had like one or two pins on it so who knows yep. like we, we failed a number of order checks throughout the day on like one pin trying to get units <laughs> on the board yes yeah, I don't I don't remember failing too many order checks but it was a good second round I was, I was really excited uh, about the about the event at this point because yeah losing kind of stunk in the first round but I, th- I think we knew why we lost this second round, the scenario in the mission was so much fun. Like I just enjoyed like the entire mission and the tacticalness of of choosing when and if and like taking that risk reward of when you blew those depots. It was just a really good, really well put together scenario and a a lot of fun to play. Yeah, I definitely really liked it. it was It was new concept on the objectives for both of us, and I feel like a lot of the objective games, like how they're normally scored, like it's really easy to draw. Always ends up in drama. It feels like because all you have to have is dudes there at the end of the game to contest it. It's kind of done, but you know, be able to blow them and score those points and whatever way all the strategy there was really cool. Yep. Yeah. No, it was very cool. So, moving into our third round, this is again another objective match. Now, this I think we had there were five objectives or something like that, or I can't remember. Maybe there were six objectives, but. You put the objective markers on the board before, and there were some rules for placement and whatnot, but you put them on the before players determine table edge or anything like that. So, like, how cagey do I want to be with these objectives? If I put these objectives someplace where I could really defend it well, that might end up, I might be dealing with having to try to take that objective from my opponent. So, and we played against a full American force, uh, both players were playing Americans on the other side for this final round, so we do we do there wasn't much I, I I think in it for us to try to rectify our our situation in the event. To I think we're probably not playing for the worst of the event at least. But uh, this was a like again these objective games were interesting, and again this one really I think came down to just a lack of time. But I think I think we were starting to get to be on the losing end of it, but. I think there was still, at the end of the game, I think we still had an opportunity, if it would have, would have played the final round, to maybe swing it back to a draw. Um, I don't think we could have won it, but I think we could have swung it back to a draw in the final round. Yeah, I think our final turn, some stuff, that, some bad rolls had kind of hosed us, like one of your big squads. I think failed activate. couldn't get where it was going, and then my bazooka continued to whiff like a point-blank shot. Not the whatever the quad machine gun 
half track that they had on their side. And yeah, just the result of that turn, like we were still, you know, playing pretty competitively and in it, it was an interesting game up until that last turn where it kind of seemed like it was getting away from us. So. What did they have on the list? They had a Hellcat, a couple of Jeeps. Yeah, it was like a double. They definitely went kind of ham on the whatever the transports with machine gun kind of thing. And like, there were two like regular platoons, but they kind of mirrored each other a little bit. Um, So yeah, they each had like a Jeep with the medium machine gun on it running around. And then they both had a whatever, a Dodge three quarter ton with a machine gun on it running around. And then, yeah, there was the anti air half track, then the Hellcat, like you said. And otherwise, the rest of it was just kind of, you know, medium sized airborne veterans. With And they all had tough fighters, too. So that was kind of intimidating for the subjective base scenario. It never came down to that in our game where we were fighting close quarters or anything. Um, maybe one more turn, we might have saw some of that action. It was definitely an interesting game. Like, the table was kind of interesting for it. It was like a winter forest kind of thing. There was just lots of kind of more like scattered terrain all over, like trees and stuff. And like sight lines in all of our games were pretty small. But how we ruled it, there was like a few areas of like kind of hard cover or whatever, which the objectives were kind of high and stuff. So they worked out pretty good. Like our objective placement was pretty weird. Like you're saying, that last turn, some things kind of failed for us and maybe started slipping away from us. Yeah, I will say the number of morale checks I failed throughout the day, either to bring units onto the table or to get (laughs) units to activate that were on the table, just, it was like, you know, it's just checks where it was, oh, hey, if I would have been failed by one, you know, failed by one or, you know, hey, I'm. I need a nine or I need an eight and roll a 10 or a 12. Like it's, it was just, it was, it was, it, it is what it is what it is. Like it's a game of dice and you roll dice and sometimes things go wrong. Again, I, I felt like even in this game, like I don't, I, to me, to me, I was feeling like by the end of the event that I brought a knife to a gunfight from a list perspective, but that knife sure did hold up pretty darn well uh, considering, and, and I thought it was competitive. In every single game, we were competitive to get to at least the draw. I won Nationals that first time. There wasn't... There weren't really... Maybe one list I played that entire day that I felt like had anything that I would have thought would have been like trying to push the cusp of what what was kind of normal and i think the bolt action because we have been a little bit out of it in second edition has evolved and i think what we saw all day long were kind of what the new norm and lists are while in i think my mind in particular i was trying to counter and and build the list that's designed to play against uh lists that are probably three or four years old now that were more closer to what you probably would have seen in a first edition list. Like when I, like I said, when I uh, first nationals, that's I, true. Like that happened. I've definitely so. played a little more recently than you have. Um, that was a little eye opening kind of for this one. Like I played bolt action at Adepticon quite a bit. And 
I know, you know, the last Adepticon I played in, I know the Nationals event was, like, really hard for that. Where, like, all the lists were kind of built to maximize to win kind of thing. But in previous years, I felt like the Chicago Dice events were a little more fun and a little more themey. And I feel like I didn't really see that this year. So I was wondering if it was because they took out, like, the kind of theme reinforcement this time around. Or it was, you know, the group of players had changed. Or maybe the just what people had been playing had changed or what. But it was definitely interesting to see that kind of shift. Because I know I was kind of turned off from the national event last time I played in it. It was just kind of a little gamey for me. But maybe that's just because, like, I haven't been playing enough to kind of be competitive with that so yeah i don't know I, I, what i will say is i had a great time it was a lot of fun yeah it's definitely fun congrats to all the winners uh there were some great looking armies and we'll put some pictures up on the blog at whiskodice.com to uh, showcase not only the pictures of all three battles that we played in uh but also some of the pictures of all of the armies that were just at showcase there were some they were some just really cool uh display boards and armies and and great team efforts to, for all of the stuff that that was at the event so and it was great to see a an event with that many bolt action players at it so that was awesome we wrapped up the day we went went and got got in the hotel and uh chased down some deep dish pizza which was great and uh, <laughs> a couple of beers and uh, crashed for the night because the next, the, I don't know about you, Brian, but I was at Adepticon for one event and one event only that I was re- that I really, really was passionate about. And that is Battle for the Cowl Batman Miniature Game Tournament. But let's take a break. And when we get back, we'll dive right into that event. Hey folks, this is the Conzie of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick and mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. We're back. Now let's go ahead and talk about Battle for the Cowl, Batman Miniature Games, third edition. Four rounds of Batman. I was uh, ready for it. I uh, I was like, this is the game I'm super into and and have been playing a lot lately. So, and I felt like I had a poor showing at Renegade this year. I mean, I won best appearance at Renegade, but I, I don't think like, my win-loss record, I think I actually had a losing record overall, so I didn't, I, f- I felt like I wanted some redemption, and this is the first tournament I'd been able to go to since then. So, uh, I did uh, bring Joker again uh, as my crew. This was a two-list format, so we'll go over both of our lists really quick, uh, taking in turns, just kind of breaking it up. So my primary list that I, at least what I felt was my primary list was led with the special uh, limited third edition kickoff model uh, with uh, the Red Hood Joker. 
um, the Harley Quinn that came in the back to the bo- back to Gotham st- box, and then a bunch of hench thugs. So um, Buffon, high security henchman, Rasta clown, and his assault rifle, Joker's bus driver for uh, bodyguard and coming on the board later in the in the second round, um, and then thugs one, four, five, and six, which uh, includes the little little janky knife thug who's super fast with move 10 and the, um, and thug six bringing that bodyguard. So lots of, lots of just goons. It was a 10 model crew. And, uh, obviously I'm joking. I'm bringing, I'm bringing all the goons and all the, uh, uh, trying to benefit, benefit from that. So Brian, what did you bring for your first list? One of the red hood lists that you had run before. Like, I think we had played it once on yeah, yeah. game night mm-hmm. at Noble Night. Yeah, I, 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 right after Renegade, <laughs> I came back and put this list together. I see. All right, well, getting into my list. Um, it's kind of been the standard league thing I've been playing lately. Kind of, whatever, optimizing, seeing what I like and what I have and what plays well for me. It's basically just the bat box, which is what I've been playing for quite a long time. But something at some point drove me to tweak it a little bit. The only difference between the bat box, so as Talia is my leader, and then Heretic is kind of the wreck-your-face, hard-to-kill guy. And then normally the bat box has Cheshire in it. She's a free agent, kind of like a fast ninja poison assassin-y kind of person. But um, I took her out. I actually swapped in Deadshot, who, uh, the version that comes in like the whatever back to Gotham set since I had him around. I'd always been jealous of everybody's ranged firepower since range seems pretty powerful in third edition Batman. So kind of wanted to try it out myself and, and it worked out really good for me. So he's kind of been in the staple list I've been running lately. And then to fill out the end of the list, it's just the four assassins from the bat box. So nothing too special there. Then I have like whatever two blood weapons and, a few have little unique traits like poison or scouting and some of the equipment I have them set up to allows them to be their like undercover hidden setups and stuff like that. So can kind of push them out there during the deployment, but nothing too crazy in my list. I guess you didn't mes- mention your objective deck at all. I think it follows pretty close to the bat match rules that just recently came out, but we had to like build a one deck that was for both of your lists and you can exchange the, character cards differently or limited to three unique character cards like not you know just three cards but you could have like whatever one set of three for one character and then you know the two other characters as well um my league list it sounds like it's fairly common for a league list to kind of center around having lots of suspects out and then scoring points off of those for having like more suspects than your opponent and stuff like that so that's kind of the idea with my list is to pop all those suspects out there and kind of defend them and hopefully kill enough of the opponent to keep my suspects out there and hopefully interfere with their plans. Yeah. That's kind of how I runs. I did, I'll just throw in, I did build a second list now, but I didn't put like any thought into it at all. I just wanted to bring a couple more painted models. Like I haven't run another list that's been worth, you know, anything lately. So I have Damien, Wayne, and then I have Sheshire the Bat Box painted, so I just, I think I threw my other list, it was 
Talia, Heretic, Damien, and Cheshire. And then I think I had one has acid in there. So it was like a really small list. And like I just piled a ton of equipment on an assassin because he was the only one who could take it. I think he literally like almost had everything available. And I didn't really intend to play it. It was just a way to kind of validly bring a couple more models to the whatever to the table to display. Sure. Yeah, no, I I've done that in the past. I think I did. Well, I did that ex- exact thing at Renegade this year. I I took my you know the my second yeah, list I think that's was, where I got the philosophy from. Was more about bringing pretty <laughs> models so that I could maybe sucker a voter to for appearance or get an extra appearance award on. So uh, my second list actually was a list that I potentially would play, and I actually did play during the day. Featured uh, Heath Ledger Joker as my boss. Uh, again, Harley from the Back to Gotham box, heist, and then a pile of, of henchmen led by high security henchmen uh, and Joker, but Joker's Biker One. That's the one with the SMG. Like him, fast, could shoot, double blood, awesome guy. Rasta Clown for some assault rifle, Chuckles for another little SMG in the list, and then a pile of just basic thugs Thug One, Thug Four, Thug Six, and Hobo Clown. So lots of lots of clowns. This list, the two lists, like my first list, you mentioned, Brian, you like to do just swarm the table of objectives, get all of your suspect markers down on the board, and that's how you're scoring your cards. My Red Hood Joker list was uh, more of a list to screw with suspect markers. Again, I want to have the majority of suspect markers on the table, but like Red Hood Joker with his detonate ability allows me to blow up suspect markers without having to be like, without having to take a manipulate action is special. Um, so gave me some opportunities to really mess with opponents, object, uh, suspect markers. And uh, every time I played the red hood Joker list, I was definitely ruling the roost with having the most suspect markers on the board. Like every, you know, in every single one of those games, the Joker list was my, was my more shooty list. So if I needed to, if I felt like if I, I, and the reason I played it in the one time was because I felt like I needed a ranged attack advantage in a more lethality in my list, which I think that list brings. Of the two lists, I think the, the Red Hood Joker list was the better performer consistently of the two. Round one, what did you play against, Brian, for your round one? Uh, I played Finian. He had Teen Titans. I was a little intimidated to face Teen Titans. Um, I guess I'd played him a, like once or twice. There was a local player who was running them, and we had a tournament right before COVID where I faced him in third edition. That was before we had like our own objective decks and stuff, and I definitely had a really hard time dealing with them then. After those games, I kind of you know figured out what to do against him. His list... Like, I guess, I don't know, a lot of t- Titans lists seem to vary more than I would think they would. Um, what did he have? He had, like, uh, one of the Red Hoods. It was, like, uh, or is that the right name? The the Robin? Yeah, he's called the Red Hood. Yeah, the Red Hood. Um, with the crowbar. Mm-hmm. And then he had Nightwing. Nightwing was his leader. What else? He had Starfire. Uh I don't know why I can never remember her name. She used to be the magic one. Oh, um, <laughs> Raven. Raven, there we go. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see Raven back on the table. Like, you know, she used to be, like, really powerful when magic was 
still a thing and maybe a thing again one day, but he was pretty confident that she still was pretty useful and worth her points, even without the magic. And then I think Dove was the last person in his list. Yeah. He did have an alternate list, but he didn't have any other models out for it. I think he must have played it in round two because he ended up coming and asking to borrow my Damien card because... I think his other list had like all the robins in it, basically, or something. I didn't actually see it, so I'm not sure what it was. But so I'm definitely not familiar with Titans, so it was kind of intimidating starting off. And I was trying to remember, like in the bat match, you know, we each like kind of draft whatever deployments and whatever events. And I was trying to remember. I know. I think oh, I can't even remember what deployment or event oh i think we picked my deployment it's the one where you have uh two zones like in each little corner of the table and i ended up putting all mine in the one zone i can't remember oh no i do remember the event now is the one where you start with a couple suspects on the table i think if i'm not horribly mixing that up i should have got my cards out to check but we definitely had the two suspects on the table and maybe i'm running the zones i don't remember how those compare but this game kind of went my way a little bit early. <laughs> like, I guess it was kind of a mix-up on the rules on his part, and then it got straightened out, so it kind of messed up his plan. He ended up sewering with Nightwing and got him like really close to me. And I don't remember if that was just to put like a suspect close to me or something, but I think he was planning to go back through the sewer, but you can only use the sewer once, even though you could have multiple manip- manipulates. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, he didn't realize that till after he did it. So then Nightwing was kind of stretched way out in front all by himself. And then the following, like, that was towards the end of the round, so I didn't, I couldn't really do anything against him then. But then the following round, I think it was a combination of Heretic and Deadshot that took out Nightwing. Like, he survived against um, the Heretic's attack, and then on his activation, he kind of tried to run back towards the rest of his group, towards his zone, but Deadshot was able to maneuver, and within eight inches, he avoids cover, too, so he was able to finish him off, and that kind of seemed to seal the deal on, uh, like, the fate of his game. Like, losing his leader in Nightwing, like, he lost a lot of inspire power there, so it was kind of downhill from there. The Red Hood had jumped up through the sewer to try and help defend Nightwing, but I kind of focused on taking out Nightwing and then just kind of scattered away from Red Hood, so for the next turn or two, he didn't have much impact, and then whatever his three other guys were mostly up on top of a building, like I think it was the third turn, like Raven had come in to try and help out Red Hood to kind of catch some of my guys, but by that point, like I had enough suspects out, and it seemed like most of his goal was to kind of try and kill me but then his like, action efficiency, once he lost Nightwing, just kind of went down, and he ended up not being able to score too much. Um, I don't remember my score from most of my games, but it ended up a pretty good win for me. I think I had like 20-something points. I think all my games, I don't remember if we only played three turns, I think, most of my games. Win time was called, but I think it was like 20 to like, you know, 15, well, 20-something to like 15 or so, so... It was a pretty handy victory. It was kind of good to come out of the gate like that. Um, I guess we didn't talk in the beginning about my feelings for the tournament. I kind of had a hard time convincing myself that it was going to go 
well in a tournament for me. Like I'd only played in like one kind of out of town tournament in second edition and it didn't go very well for me against a lot of the really experienced Minnesota crews. So I was kind of worried about running into that again, but really felt like it helped my all um, there. Like all my opponents were really nice and, you know, helped me kind of know the rules since we don't have a wide range of crew that we've played locally. So pretty much everything I played against was new to me or, you know, only vaguely familiar. So that was really cool to come out of the gate with a pretty good game in my favor. How about you? What did you run into? So I played against Willie in his organized crime led by Black Mask. Uh, and this is a, a newer release that I certainly have not... I don't think I've played against organized crime at all ever, uh, and certainly not against Black Mask on the table. So I was very interested to see how this is going to work because uh, it's a basically two horde crews going up against each other. I don't fully understand exactly how everything worked. What I did get out of the game was that it was very hard to kill a couple of his models. Black Mask didn't want anything to do with anything being near the fight, so I'm going to guess he was fragile as heck. Because he, he held him back way away from all the rest of the death and dying that was happening. But ultimately, yes. there was like it was kind of like this it was like this street between these buildings, and pretty much the entire fight was basically like he's he kind of got the the speed advantage and was able to get to the center of the board faster. So I was kind of just fighting my way through waves of his crew until I could get to the back end of the board. And I did get to the back end of the board with like Joker's bus driver, and I think one other model, which kind of took care of like you get a sniper model in the back that had like a it wasn't an assault rifle, but it was in a similar like double blood stun two shot or rate of fire two or rate of fire one rifle thing that like the bus driver was able to knock out with his shotgun. Ultimately. We both scored a lot of points. I think we got through... I'd like to say we got through four rounds, but I can't remember for sure. We might have only gotten through three, but at the end, I managed to eke out the victory. Something like 33 to 29 is what I think I have written down here. So, great game. Willie's a great opponent. Yeah, that was a really close game. Yeah, the rel- yep, relatively close game. Lots of scoring on both sides, and I think I probably had a bit of scoring I could get to yet in my deck. So uh, if we if we had not made, uh, if it hadn't been only three rounds, probably would have picked up another six to ten or six to ten somewhere between six to ten points. I think for the but I can't quite remember if we only if we played three or if we managed to get to four. Uh, there was certainly enough dying early in the game that. I think our two horde crews just ran out of models for activations. So we probably did actually get through four. So that was round one. It was a lot of fun. And nothing nothing to complain about there. Great to play against new crew. Going into round two, what did you what did you face off against? Yeah, so I ended up like I guess I don't know how the matches worked out. I think I ended up being on like the bottom of the round one winner, so I ended up facing Willie. In round two. So it sounds like I assume I probably played against the same list he played against you. And I know we had Gotham and Flames in this one, and then I think we had like the corner deployments that were slightly larger. So we were pretty far across the table. Like I was, I know he had that kind of long range sniper ish guys, and that dude also was equipped with like night vision somehow. So I think I was 
you know, really particular about watching the sight lines on that. And I was trying to figure out how to get a shot with dead shot to take that guy out. I kind of thought the trick thing, like, as you said, like I've never, I faced organized crime when Willie was here for the one tournament we had locally right before uh, COVID happened, but that was ages ago. And, you know, that wasn't with the, uh, crew decks and stuff like that so let alone like black mask and a lot of the newer models that have come out for them since but, but he had i worked out um, like black mask and one of the other characters had inspire so there was like two inspires in the list so that was really unique at least that's how i played it against me like they all kind yeah. of flooded out of their zone and kind of had the same thing that i usually run into which is having a hard time finding enough space to put all your suspects down so that was really the big struggle in this game was like usually i can play to have a lot of my suspects like all out first turn but with the terrain and stuff it was really hard to get them all out there and then he was flooding so many out there it made it tough to go against my usual strategy and that's always kind of a struggle when the opponent's trying to get all their suspects out as well so i think I don't remember if it was maybe turn two. Like, I finagled something, so Deadshot was able to take out that sniper. He had him up on, like, a truck that was back in his deployment zone, so you could kind of have free reign down the couple of streets you could see down, while all the rest of my crew kind of went off to the side, hiding behind buildings, and Talia was just helping him bust out suspects all over. But in doing that, I kind of exposed Deadshot a little bit, and, like, he just, like, swarmed. I think it was, like, four or five guys all through the sewer. You kind of pounced on Deadshot, and then um, so he was kind of out in the wind <laughs> coming into. I think that was round two where they all came through the sewer on him, and then round three he was kind of fixing to get his butt kicked pretty good. I was able to send Heretic over there to kind of help him out a little bit, but Deadshot got knocked out pretty quickly, and then I think I ended up using a Lazarus Pit to like wake him back up, but then he was knocked down so. Somebody had an activation to take him out first, but at least distracted a little bit. So that was kind of the main highlights in that game. And then the Gotham and Flames was kind of bouncing around in the center of the table. I think it had gone back and forth between us a couple times as which direction it went. And then like this, that center point was kind of right where our crews ended up interacting. So I think various models ours ended up on fire throughout a couple turns in the end there where we were trying to, you know, pick off the other opponent's suspects and stuff. Like it was probably one of the most more engaging games I had where we were both trying to pick each other's suspects while getting as many as we could out there. This one ended up being another victory for me. I think he was struggling to score more of his cards than I was. I think I was in the higher twenties this time and I think he was right around twenty. So it wasn't too bad of a game. Again, we only were able to fit three turns in the in the round, but it was a pretty good game, and I was pretty happy to come out and hold my own against a new crew again. And yeah, like you said, Willie's a really fun guy to play against too. So all my opponents were pretty cool. So it was a another good game. Nice. So I played against Jason round two in his Birds of Prey, which. I'm familiar. I'm at least loosely familiar with birds because my wife plays them. But uh, what I've seen, at least people take, is something very similar. They're poison ivy with a a bunch of mind control in in their birds of prey, which I think was his second list. Or 
something probably close to the bat box with some variants. And so what he put on the table was really interesting, I thought. He had a... And I'm just I'm not breaking down everybody's list, but I thought this was a really cool list. Um, so he had Oracle as his leader, and then the new Black Canary, uh, like I think it's just the more comic booky version and not the movie version. Dove and Hawk, Strix, and uh, Cassandra Kane. And uh, Cassandra Kane's there for dropping suspects and manipulates, and Oracle's there to move around, manipulates, and be basically kind of an unkillable model. Like you can you can do damage to her, but the only way you do damage to her is like removing the enemy suspects off the board, which means you're burning your manipulates doing that instead of doing good things like putting your suspects on the board. But he put Black Canary right up in my face. She's got like uh, whatever hidden deployment or whatever on the under undercover or whatever that is that you get to deploy her where around the board. So we put her up uh, pretty much right up in my grill, uh, moved and did a canary cry onto, and then. Had a way to do a trigger and be able to allow her to do, or he had a resource card that allowed her to do the Canary Cry a second time. My center, and this is the only game I played with my Ledger um, Ledger uh, Joker crew, because I did feel like I needed some extra healing power in this game and some extra range power, because the, well, the one thing I know about birds is they're fast. It's a, birds of Prey are an incredibly fast crew, and they will be all over the board, and my slow Joker crew will never catch them. But because Black Canary was so far advanced and he gambled on this double Canary Canary, canary Cry to basically, um, I think it's stun, it puts stun on every model that if they fail their morale checks. And I, like, when you're stunned, it's pretty horrible. Like, the only thing you can do is move, and that's it. Can't attack, doesn't matter if you had free manipulates, can't attack, no tacticals, no special actions, don't matter if you have audacity. Well, fortunately, I'm a Joker crew, so I can get around the audacity part. And Joker did not fail a morale check here. Woohoo! Um, uh, but I think all the rest of my thugs around him, like four or five thugs around him, all failed morale checks. Like almost everybody he was within within his inspire range turn one couldn't really do anything. But I had just enough stuff that I could kill. I, I was able to kill Black Canary before she could get to a med crate on round, you know, say she plopped her, there was a red crate plopped next to her. So if I wouldn't have killed her, she would have activated likely first round two and got a med crate healed up and got out of dodge. So that was, that was awesome. I got her off the board right off the bat. And then from my perspective, I needed to go after Dove next because she can heal things. And I didn't want any of that. I wanted that damage to stick. So I got her KO'd. I couldn't, you know, I didn't have anything in position to be able to kill her or take her off the board, but KOing her, and I think she failed to wake up the one round, which was awesome. So this kind of just let me, because I was kind of taking it to his models, I would let me play the suspect game. Unfortunately, like he was scoring cards left over right, and I'm not sure. I wasn't able to keep track of, like, why, or I keep asking why he was scoring cards. I was just kind of trusting him on why he was, you know, whatever the scores, the cards were. I just could not keep up with his scoring, and he was scoring a lot of three-point cards, which ultimately, for whatever reason, I think one of my rounds, I kind of stumbled, and I couldn't score cards. I was doing a great job of beating him down, but I couldn't get any cards to score. So, ultimately, I ended up losing this game. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of happens in Batman, where you yeah. have a bad round sometimes. It kind of 
I mean, I killed 145 rep of his crew, which is my best kill for the kill game for the for the event. But I could not manage to up the uh, beat him in score, so I actually took a loss, uh, 36 to 29 in this round. But um, what I did take away was I came home and went, "How do I build?" You know, Suzanne. Oh my God, I played against this awesome Birds of Prey crew that was like really different. And other than Strix, which I'm not going to go buy because I think she's in a bat box, and I'm just not going to buy a bat box for like one model. I think yeah, so. I think she might come in the like other than back. Strix, I could you like we could field a very similar list for your Birds of Prey, and this would be like fighty and fun, and it's just exactly what you want to play, and give you a great alternative. So, you know, I was able to talk to Suzanne about that, and she's getting excited to be able to play again. So, hopefully soon. We'll get to play, we'll, I'll get, I'll get awesome. her back to the table with some Batman. Told her how you got your butt yeah, kicked by exactly. birds, and she got excited. So, but now I'm, <laughs> now I'm one win and one loss. I'm at least, I'm at least breaking even. But uh, it was a little disheartening to take a loss here. I was hoping to do, I was hoping to be in a position of contention, and here, well, I'm got that loss, which means there's no way I'm going to win this event for the day. So we went into round three. Mr. Hey, you got two wins. What happened? Uh, so my round three opponent, uh, that was Richard. He is playing a Bane list. I think Willie had played him in one of the previous, or somebody had played him. I don't remember who played him. Maybe it wasn't Willie, but um, somebody had played him, and I kind of heard about it. And I think you might have gave me the general impression, too, that Bane kind of does what you expect, where you know Bane will wreck your face, but he's normally kind of slow. And then you just kind of kind of control his mercenaries around him. But again, like I was completely unfamiliar with the objective deck. So this one, I think we kind of had the standard like deployment zones, like whatever down the rear edge of the table. And I don't know, the event I don't think was very impactful to the game. So I generally approached this one where I was just going to try and avoid Bane. He had one of his hidden guys. He ended up like I had deployed all mine to like one side of my zone. So there was a lot of my back end of the table where he had placed one of his hidden guys. So I used Tally's ability to redeploy Heretic, and he went over there and was kind of out of the way and just focusing on just killing that one model that was back there. I'm not sure what he had planned with that or if it was just kind of, you know, have something back there to mess with me or maybe just score points by dropping things in my zone somehow. So that kind of distracted Heretic from the rest of my list. And again, like, and trying to stay away from the center of the table was pretty wide open, but, you know, that's where, like, Bane was coming right at me. So I tried to kind of go off to the side around, kind of behind some alleys with the rest of my crew and get some um, suspects out and stuff. But it was, like, such a tight area. I, my first round, I didn't get as, you know, all the suspects out like I normally would. And then I don't remember what I was doing with Deadshot this game. Oh, I think we did, like, the delayed event or whatever, so I think Deadshot was the one I kept off the table round one. And so he didn't show up till later. I guess my strategy kind of worked where I went off to the one side, and I thought Bane would have, like, charged up further one way or the other, but he only moved up a little bit and kind of stayed on the opposite side of the building between him and the rest of my crew, and I was kind of forced to come up the one side of the table, so some of the rest of his crew kind of moved in to kind of attack me. It seemed like Bane has a lot of cards that score when they're, like, close to you or, like, you know, kind of messing with your suspects. 
when they're nearby and stuff like that and like scoring off a certain um, scenery elements and stuff like that so I kind of got cornered over there by like most of his crew and I tried to kind of pull back when Bane was coming at me but I couldn't move Talia quite enough and um, Bane was able to get the jump on her and I think it was the following turn three but luckily bat whiffs can happen to Bane also like I don't remember how many dice he rolled like eight or nine dice or something like that but I think he got like two hits out of all of them. It was just like a terrible roll. I think he has like handy or something like that too, so it was even like a re-roll, but I got super lucky in not losing Talia there. Um, she was kind of able to escape him the following turn and kind of keep my crew moving. I don't know if I was mostly distracted with Bane or what, but um, or just being as cornered as I was, I wasn't able to get suspects out, so this was like the lowest scoring game I've had in a long time. I thought he was scoring quite a few cards, but maybe he was just moving them. Like, he had a lot. He was able to play as resources repetitively. So maybe that distracted me, but our final score ended up a dead even draw. We had 15 to 15, so that was pretty interesting to come out that even. I think we probably only played till the end of round three. I don't remember if we got the fourth round in or not, but um, that was kind of the main thing that happened was I was able to escape from... Talia from Bane, and then a couple of my henchmen got mucked up with his, and I kind of got distracted with that other henchman of his back in my zone, and I ended up, I had her knocked out, and I messed up with the rules on how you, like, can put more blood damage on somebody to kill them when they're knocked out, so, like, I, did, I think I had Heretic Puncher instead, because I thought, like, any damage just changed the blood damage, but it just, uh, whatever adds one blood to whatever your normal damage is. I should have used, like, the all blood, and I probably would have killed her. Like, it was kind of inconsequential in the game. Like, it didn't score either of us points, but I hurt living, but it definitely distracted me, and I didn't really get anything out of it. But... So it was kind of a tight game. It was interesting to see Bane on the table, and um, we must have countered each other pretty well, because neither of us scored a whole lot. So, But it wasn't too bad. Um, I was able to hold a draw. Still undefeated up to this point. I wasn't too hurt about it. All right. Well, (laughs) I played against Finian, who you played earlier, uh, in his Teen Titans crew. Uh, He played the exact same crew against me that he played against you. And this was another game that early in the game, like rounds one and two, I was like, oh my god, I'm going to lose this game so hard. I could not... Like I was, try- I was taught chucking cards for resources. <laughs> I couldn't get stinky fish cards. I couldn't get uh, the other cards in my deck that I could score. Like just cards for scoring were not coming up. But round three, and particularly round four, I scored a ridiculous amount of points, and that was just enough points for me to dig myself back out of the hole. I must have scored twenty points between rounds three and four. And uh, that was just enough points to eek me back into a draw. So I actually walked away against Finian with a draw uh, for round three. It was uh, I only, it was the only game where I failed to kill a single model. There was zero casualty points. Big oh, thing here amazing. is I played my Red Hood Joker list against him, and he had Red Hood. And apparently Red Hood has a scoring card for like taking his revenge on the joker basically is the theme of it (laughs) and he got to actually score that card against my joker 
my Joker didn't get taken off the battle, the table, so I was like, okay, I'll give you the moral victory. You get to feel good about scoring that card, and well, I get a draw. So <laughs> hey, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the end of that game, I had to get ultra aggressive with like my stuff and take a whole bunch of risks and. I think he was more focused about trying to keep scoring some cards near the end, and my yeah, stuff just that. managed to survive. <laughs> but yeah, like that, like the turn he took, tried to take out the Joker. Like I think he his dice didn't roll super great, um, and I was able to get a couple of blocks. Otherwise, my Joker probably would have came off the board, and who knows? I probably could not have been able to recover from that. So, but it was a super fun game. Like um, I was getting a little tired at this point. My brain was starting to get Batman frazzled. Yeah, I was to be able to eke out a draw there. Felt pretty good about that. Now we're going into round four. Mr. Undefeated, what is going on here in round four? I get really crappy. <laughs> um, it was definitely a long day of gaming. Like All my games went longer than the time limit just to finish turn three and so I didn't have much for breaks between them even um and then going into round four I'd kind of heard about it all day like I had that draw but I think I might have been the only other undefeated person at that point technically going into round four so I ended up um, facing Adam he's definitely uh, been in a lot of the tournaments and plays a lot of different stuff he had it was supposed to be a joke, apparently, is how the story was. He brought the Big Bang Theory crew, which I definitely didn't really expect to see in the tournament. I think I might have looked at their cards another time or something and thought they seemed, you know, kind of powerful from a points perspective, but I just thought they were so much nonsense. I wasn't sure that you would actually see them on the table. And I think that's what he was expecting, but I was hearing about him all day. It's not exactly how it worked out. He was just scoring an insane amount of points. So I was like kind of looking down the barrel <laughs> coming to the round to face that. And then I had found out they have goofy rules where you can't actually kill them off the table. Like if you kill them or knock them out, they just like pop back up like completely full health. Like you get to place them within four inches of wherever you kill them. I guess like he was big on like, oh, you can kind of control and dictate where they're at with that. But I don't know, it just was kind of disheartening not to be able to remove miles from the table. So, like, that's usually the level of my control against an opponent is maybe taking some of their models off. So I felt like I was kind of going uphill at it at that point. So I was really discouraged going to the final round. Um, he's a really cool guy and cool player, and he's familiar, familiar with the league, too. And I don't know, he, was, he gave me a little bit of pointers running into it since it's such an odd list, like, the biggest problem is probably nobody's familiar with it. Like he seems to think it would be like pretty easily beatable. And I think I tried the strategy kind of went for was to just, you know, get all my suspects out there and, you know, just try and guard them up and avoid him kind of, or like just kill him and fend them off. So you couldn't get close to my stuff, but I didn't really see how that was supposed to work. Um, Penny and the crew is like a hypnotized person. So I was kind of warned to stay away from her. And then, I think the one time I attacked somebody, it was, like, the hardest person in the list. Like, uh, I guess Zach is, like, the Superman guy, and he's pretty durable. So I think it took Deadshot and Heretic to take him out once. And I only did that to score Deadshot's card. And that was, like, the only time I attempted to, like, kill anybody since it seemed kind of pointless. And 
I think I looked out like he was having a rough time getting his point scoring going. Like I scored pretty good in this game, but I had heard all day like he was almost scoring his whole deck or something like that, and it was a good like I don't remember like fifty some points he was able to score in his deck, and I think other rounds he was like you know three or four points short and be like oh man I almost did it kind of thing. <laughs> so I was just um, really down not looking forward to it and. I don't know. It was just a weird crew to face. So, luckily, he's a good guy and ended up being an all right game. Um, he plays league also, so I kind of got to pick his brain about a few things about that. I would have liked to talk to him more about it. And he thought my list was kind of unusual from what he usually does. So, it would have been interesting to hear more about. It sounds like he plays them similar, but my like model choice was a bit different. I think generally I play a bit killier a crew. So, facing a crew that I couldn't kill was, I don't know, kind of a job. <laughs> but it was still a high-scoring game. I think we were pretty close. I don't remember if I scored, like, 37 or 34 or something like that, but he scored, like, 43 or 45 or something like that. So he ended up winning the tournament then. He was undefeated all day. Um, it was an okay game for what it was. Like, I definitely came through the game in higher spirits than I went into it. So I feel bad for being such a grump going into it, but it was just kind of a intimidating list to play against. But it was definitely interesting. So I don't know if you want to throw people a bone and play a high point list, go with big bang. Or just don't <laughs> because that list, nobody like, I get it. It's big bang theory and people are going to buy it because it's yeah. big bang theory, but don't put that crap on the table. Cause it's not Batman. It's, I think uh, it's, it's definitely, definitely not back to Gotham, <laughs> you know, grittier street game with whatever that TV show. So no, but yeah, he intended it to be a joke. Yeah, joke was on us. <laughs> ha ha. I won a Depticon with big bang theory. Exactly. Yeah. I, I saw that on the, on the couple of social media groups later, like who won a Depticon battle for the cowl? Uh, Adam did with big bang theory. What really? <laughs> How, how did you guys let that win? <laughs> yeah, well, Adam's good. I, I've played against him. I played against him playing League. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's, it's 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 just a tough matchup no matter what. So, um, I played against Chris for the final round against his Riddler crew, which was super cool to play against Riddler. This uh, one of my favorite bat villains. Uh. One of the crews that I do have here painted up somewhere in one of the crates of miniatures, anyways. And this was this had the new Riddler for the boss, who is effectively kind of like an unkillable boss because again, you can only do damage to him when you remove his suspect markers or something like that. Is the only real way he actually takes damage. The big giant Riddler sitting on the throne, that reminiscent of the Jim Carrey Riddler. For the most part, he deployed all in one corner of the table. I deployed all in the opposite corner of the table. And his crew basically just walked from one corner of the table to from like his left right, left corner to to his right, or actually from his right corner to his left corner. And he just stayed over there within that 12 inches of that table edge, just walking his whole crew from one side to the other. Just... Plopping riddle or popping suspect markers all the way, trying to you know contest for that, having the most uh, most uh, markers on it. But it was all about like 
Riddler's card draw, like score if you have more odd number, you know, number counters. No, you put number counters on suspects a bunch, and it's all like score your cards if you have more odd number suspects than you have even number suspects or things like that. Um, was all like it's all kind of a puzzle. Like if you're playing Riddler, you kind of have to puzzle to score all your cards, right? But I did manage to kind of get close enough, and between Red Hood's detonate being able to blow up some um, suspect markers, I was able to just get the cusp of the edge of having more suspects. And once I did that, I kind of canceled out some of his score ability to score, coupled with uh, my ability to score off of having more suspects. I have a few cards in my deck that let me score off of having more suspects than my opponent. And... I was able to get my scoring engine going and keep it going often, regular and often, which is just the way I want to want to be going with my Joker crew. If that's happening, I'm generally doing pretty well. If I'm scoring and scoring often, perfect. Because none of my card, like Joker, Joker doesn't have three point cards really effectively, other than they have one three point card really. I did manage to score the win here, uh, thirty four twenty nine against the Riddler and managed to get my second win for the day. So I went two wins, a draw, and a loss, which is the same record as my boy Brian here. Just however the tie yep, breaks yep. were, which I think were actually off of victory points. I think I outscored you victory points for the day, which is the tie break between between the two of us for Batmatch. Yeah, so I snuck in third while you had the by far harder matchup for the day. Like if like if it was a strength of schedule for the for third or fourth in the event, I think you would have had strength of schedule versus me, but you got to your your record, your fifteen bat match points the hard way where I kinda trickled up the bottom <laughs> bottom yeah, of the event the hard way. <laughs> went up. <laughs> yeah. We did play two of the same people, so uh, we got to the end, and I took third. You took fourth overall, uh, which is pretty awesome. Represent Madison, Batman. It's awesome. And I was super excited about that. Since this was, since effectively Stefan was running this thing, this event came with what I will call Stefan's kind of standard giveaway kit uh, at the end of the event, uh, which is piles of brand new Batman product. I think we rotated through everyone got three or four picks from the prize pool. Like it was just stupid, crazy amount of stuff. Like there, there had to been, I don't know, thousand dollars <laughs> of near near of product sitting there. Yeah. It was a lot of stuff. Yeah. How he rolls through the prizes like that, like huge lumps don't go to the top people or never like kind of everybody gets their share. Like the, whatever you get your pick by rank. So, you know, your first pick, you get what you want kind of thing. And then, I don't know, there's enough stuff there. Everybody, I think, is getting stuff they want. And it's just crazy how much stuff you get away. Like, even if you were the last person, you generally get the same, if not more, as much as the top player does. And everybody seems happy about it, from what I can tell. I mean, I'm very Brian, that's the way it. Renegade has <laughs> went. And, and I saw the prize, prize pool for the Renegade Open here this spring, and it's just like, it's crazy. It's awesome. Uh, I think you made out much better than I did, but like part of my problem was I owned like I, I like ooh I want to take the big money items because they're worth a lot of money, but at the same time I'm like I already own all that stuff, so what am I gonna do with a bunch of duplicate 
you know, models of mm-hmm. kits. I'm, I'm just going to end up eBay in it for cash. And then, so I picked models that I didn't have, which I think left a lot of the big ticket items for people that were further down the, um, the rankings to be able to grab. Like, I know there was a back to Gotham box and. Yeah. I think that's how it worked out with some of the grabs where, you know, people have a lot of the stuff already, so there's not much reason to get yep. another duplicate of it. It's not as fun to just sell it off as it is to get something new in there. There was a lot of, of the unique um, models in there, too, like, ex- you know, web exclusives and stuff like that. So people are usually pretty happy to grab those, even though, you know, they're just one model, but they're kind of limited. So yeah, I lucked out. I was able to piece together, like, the entire yeah. crew almost. Like, I got, like, whatever, four picks and almost managed to get like most every model there can be for Bane, which was pretty awesome. Like I got the overdrive bat box. I think that was my first or second choice. I don't remember, but I also got the Bane unleashed model, which is a really cool model. And then bird in the Mercs box. And then also the other little support Bane, the whatever the kind of stealth ninja and like the other, um, woman with the huge arm, Bane, Phantom arm in there. So I got like, I came away with like a whole crew. <laughs> like everybody seemed excited for, like I pieced together that whole crew. There was the big Dark Knight Rises starter. And I don't remember somebody else came up. There was a couple other bat boxes too. So I think somebody got like a Burns box. And there might have been an Owl's box up there too or something. But, you know, a lot of people came away with. Yeah, yeah, I think I had like I came away with like three individual little tiny blister packs. Like I looked at your haul when when we were done picking and going, man, I stunk at picking models. But even then, like I still feel like I came away with a pretty good lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think you have most everything that I chose. Yeah, and all the I think (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I have bird and the mercs (laughs) for Bane. I gotta. Once I get things okay. unpacked a bit more, I will figure it out. But I don't think I have him. But yeah, oh, I did get. Yeah, maybe that was the first one I grabbed actually because I thought it would go with my Dark Knight Rises Bane. But then it worked out like I was on the Bane train. All those other choices were there. Yeah, I got Kingway, KG Beast, Emperor Penguin. And Gagey, I think that's like so. I got like a little three blitzer packs, which like that's still. I mean, I still did like pretty awesome there, actually. But at the time, like looking at some of the, everybody else's like giant piles of loot, I was like, oh man, I should have. Like, man, I feel bad, but <laughs> at the same time, I had a great, I had a great time. I had an amazing record. I feel like, I feel like, mad. We, you know, we between the two of us, we really came back and I thought represented Madison Batman really well showcased that, you know, even though I took a beating at uh, renegade, I think that beating came, coming back to Madison helped everybody here locally be able to play the game better. Made it made us all better yeah, and more competitive. Sure. So now we just need to focus on growing the, the scene of Batman here in Madison and uh, see if we can get three, four or five of us to show up at some of these events and, really start uh, wrecking some face and showcasing that Madison is a, a powerhouse <laughs> of Batman. But yeah, no, super pumped up after the event. Yep, that's what I was just going to say, is that I, I don't know, I was super pumped for Batman after the event. Like, I was kind of 
timid going into the Batman tournament scene, but I'm just super energized about it just to, you know, even play more, get more models done. Like, I've almost finished two models tournament already just off that mojo. And, I don't know, I'm really excited for more. I haven't had a hobby station for nearly three months. And (laughs) just very recently, as in like two days ago, (laughs) I have something that I can actually sit down and paint at. And I put paint on... I, I, I went and grabbed the tub of miniatures that... I had wrapped up that were all like miniatures that were in my old <laughs> office that I had, some of them I had worked on, some of them were primed. And I'm like, I don't care which one of these, like the first pack that I opened of, like, cause they're all bubble wrapped. Um, like the first bubble wrapped pack of miniatures I open here that has something that's primed. That's the model I'm going to put paint on. I don't care what game it is, whatever. I just so happen to open the first pack is like, Oh, Hey, it's penguin Lieutenant. It's like half started painted. And was the last model I was working on before I tore down my desk to get my house ready to sell. So here was like the first model I'm able to actually put some paint on and I threw some paint on them and like, it's, it's still, I don't have lighting at my hobby desk yet. The last part to set up lighting showed up today so I can actually set that up uh, hopefully tomorrow. But even still like the fact that I was like able to sit down and paint, like get that, that pumped up energy, positive energy from, uh, from this Batman tournament. Like I'm super stoked. I, I've got so many models I need to work on now and so much, so much painting energy. We'll see how long it lasts. Hopefully it lasts a while. All right. That get, I think that gets us through Adepticon. We took off after that. So not much shopping. I mean, I didn't, I ran around the vendor hall. I didn't actually purchase a thing this year. Not that there wasn't a lack there. The vendor hall at Adepticon was bigger than, uh, than I think any previous year. It's just uh, one. There was barely anything Batman, uh, which is to be expected. It's a small game right now. Uh, and after the bolt action tournament, I, I don't. I, I need some time to like sit down and get my head back into bolt action before I start making some more crazy purchases for that game because I have such so much of it laying around not built or painted but uh i do after after playing in the um team tournament i did walk away thinking "Mm, maybe i should see about see what i can do to get a couple of these more interesting options available to me i think that's what i kind of came away with too a little bit as far as like where the tournaments are at like i have quite a bit of i guess my journeys aren't super filled out for um, bolt action play since they started as more K47 focused, um, which I was disappointed that there wasn't Conflict 47 this year at Adepticon. That was like the one time a year I actually got to play some of it. But yeah, after walking away from the bolt action tournament, I was kind of, I have most all the regular stuff, so maybe it's some of that more unique, extreme kind of optimizing list kind of focus is what I might need to delve into for some of my bolt action stuff coming up. Super huge displays for armies in the Warhammer spaces and uh, lots of cool stuff to check out at Adepticon. We were, I don't know about you, Brian, but I was super like tunnel focused on the events I was in and, and didn't really pay attention to much of anything else that was going on at the con, but uh, I had a great time this year. 
Yeah, unfortunately, that's how the time worked out for me. Like, I really didn't, I literally didn't plan any extra time other than the time my games were scheduled for. So I had, like, literally no chance to walk around. Yeah, didn't really have a lot of time to talk to a lot of people that I knew, you know, even though it's been a couple of years since I've seen a lot of them. In fact, more often, somebody would run, somebody would, I would walk, I'd be walking around and be like, oh, hey, Cozy. Oh crap! I'm getting ready. Like we're getting, I have to go play a game. Like, hey, it's great to see you. You know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, not a lot of time to really sit down and see anybody or say hi or anything like that. But I had a great time at Adepticon. It was perfect for me this year. Uh, all the events I played in were super awesome, and I can't wait to play some more uh, Batman and Bolt Action and other miniatures games soon. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.